Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, and thank you for joining me for a special episode today of Behavior Babes Podcast. In this episode, you will hear an interview between myself, Dr. Amanda Kelly, Behavior Babe, and Dr. Amanda Deganji, when we are meeting with and speaking with students at Arizona State University who are pursuing their master's in behavior analysis. In this interview, we focus primarily on my efforts and interest in sustainability. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy. Take a listen. I'm so happy to have Dr. Kelly here to talk about how she is saving her piece of the world over there in Hawaii and to give us some tips and some ideas. Tell us about what you do. Why? How, how did you get into it? What is it? What are you trying to do? When I started my master's, there was a, a woman, a colleague with me, and she worked at the Boston MSPCA. And then we also had people who were in like police work and just these really diverse backgrounds, a speech pathologist. And I just remember thinking like, I guess that's just how the field is, right? At the time, maybe because I was a licensed teacher, like it was something that we were kind of then at, you know, jumping into. Um, but I remember multiple exemplars. Essentially, how do you how do you generalize and understand and obtain mastery with with behavior analysis concepts or with any concept? And it's having a lot of different examples. So sometimes I attribute what I would call my flexible thinking about behavior analysis to having had that at the very entrance of my really kind of my formal training in behavior analysis. You know, prior prior to going and pursuing a master's or taking some of the coursework for my BCABA, I really was doing a lot of discrete trial, touch your nose, clap hands. So it was really when I started getting immersed. And so I think about everything in a behavior analytic way now. Anything that lets me think and breathe behavior analysis makes me happy. And so I started thinking about in preparation for this talk, like, how did I get interested in, in sustainability as and behavior analysis together? And some of it goes back to like when I was four or five or six, my parents got me this book and it was like a hundred ways like kids can save the world. And I would walk around shutting off the water while everyone was brushing their teeth and like closing the fridge and like turning off the lights, like pretty obnoxiously, I think, to the adults in my life maybe. But that's okay. They knew I was passionate about it. Even when I went on a cruise with my family, which we were, you know, on the cruise and we stopped in a port. And everybody got off to buy expensive sunglasses or to go on this excursion. And I like planted a tree. And so we all came back for dinner and everyone's like, what do you all do today when we went on our excursions? And I was like, because I knew they were going to kind of laugh at me. But I don't care. Like that's not aversive enough for, for it to compete with the other behavior I find reinforcing. So Fast forward, though, to behavior analysis specifically, it was Bill Heward in 2012. I was on a listserv, Dr. Heward, and he was saying, like, let's do a conference on sustainability. And it was him and Paul Chance, Dr. Chance. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, you guys don't know how to market anything, right? Like, and I didn't mean that like offense. I just like reached out and was like, nobody's going to read all these email listservs. Like, let me make you advertisements and things like that. And so they were like, who, who are you? And I was like, oh, hey, I'm Amanda. I just started this thing. I have this website. It was now called Behavior Bay, but I was embarrassed to say that to them. So they were like, yeah, you could help out. Actually, you're, you're a student. You're in your doc program. They're like, why don't you be like uh, a student member of this conference planning committee? And I was like, what? 
<laughs> so it was really cool and I got to so we did have a conference called the behavior change for a sustainable world conference in 2012 um, and it wasn't just behavior analysis or behavior analysts there there were um, engineers and environmentalists it was just so incredible to pull people who have knowledge in areas we don't and then to bring in the science that maybe they don't fully have a, a comprehension of and then, you know, the following year I moved to Hawaii. And so Skinner says, right, don't try to change yourself, change your environment, you know, <laughs> like, so um, in Boston, I was outside a lot, still they, you know, picked up trash on the four nice months we had there when it wasn't snowing. But in Hawaii, you're just surrounded by ocean and nature and you want it pristine and you're depending on your resources and it becomes, you just become much more intimate. I did anyhow, for me I did. And when I first moved here, I decided I wanted to do something that had nothing to do with autism because that had just consumed so much of my career. And I love uh, helping families with autism. I have a nonprofit parent advocacy group. Like I, that's still my jam, but I needed something else. So I decided to volunteer with the Hawaiian monk seals, which meant that I would go and put up these barriers when they would call me at random days and times of the week and just like go and watch a seal and ask people not to touch it and things like that and educate the public. And I met like other people through that who are scientists. I spent a lot of time on the beach. I talked to a lot of beachgoers. So again, it really just, I immersed myself. One day in particular, I'm picking up all the trash. I live on the North Shore, so like the epic pipeline is a few miles. Waimea is half a mile, so it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but when we get these big waves, lots of trash arrives. And I remember the day I was picking it up and it's like bottle caps, dental floss sticks, pens, straws. And a lot of them were just like all the same shape almost. And I was like, oh, maybe that's what they have in common. And I thought, man, what jerks are leaving their trash here? And then I realized like it wasn't, it's not usually being left behind, it's arriving. Like it's coming in the waves. And so I thought, okay, well I can pick this stuff up, but what happens when I pick it up? Like this is as simple as it was. I was like, what happens when I pick it up? I'm gonna go put it in a trash can or a recycle bin if I can recycle it, right? And then what? It's gonna end back up in the ocean. Like, I mean, what's to stop it? To get in the ocean, the air, or the earth, right? I mean, that's where our trash goes. So. I thought, well, I'm a behavior analyst. I can change behavior. Why can't I change my own? So I decided that I was going to stop using straws. Like just before that became the cool thing, some people who weren't really aware of it were like, you did that? And I'm like, well, you know, I had a part in it. I'm not sure I did that whole straw movement thing. But that's where it started for me because I thought I don't use a ton of straws. This will be super easy. And I was wrong because behavior change is not easy. <laughs> that's awesome so one of the things that I wanted to talk about too you and I visited about it briefly is this notion of competency and working within your competencies so what kinds of things did you do when you started down the the sustainability straw movement <laughs> journey uh, to um to make sure that you were practicing within your competency yeah, yeah, I understand. I get that. That's a great question. So the, the straw thing started that day on the beach, right? I mean, maybe I'd been thinking about it, but I just remember clearly that moment where I'm just holding a handful of straws. And so it was like, I don't know, a month later, um, it was actually New Year's Eve and I don't make New Year's resolutions because I don't keep them. And so I just, it's fine. 
And I was out to dinner with a friend of mine who's also a behavior analyst. And we were at a, a Teddy's Bigger Burgers. They have lots of to-go items, but you sit there and eat, right? So plastic lids, plastic straws, plastic utensils, plastic baskets, just and I'm like, why are we eating here? And why did they make this restaurant in the last like two years on the North Shore right next to the beach? And then I was telling her my whole thought about the straws and like you just pick it up and put it down and it's a cycle. And like, of course I know that, but I don't know, I really got it that day. So I asked her if I started a group, would she wanna be in a group with me? And I was like, do you think anybody else would join this group? And she's, She's just a hilarious person, and she's like, well, it only takes two people to make a group. So she's like, if you make it, I'll join it. There's a group. And so what we did was we started thinking about what is all the behavior analytic principles, you know, in play. So with sustainability, it's just break it down. So for me, not using straws was the behavior, right? So you pinpoint a discrete, observable, measurable behavior. We all know how to do that. And then I tried to do certain antecedent interventions. So I made stickers. I made a hashtag. I made a logo. We ended up with, I think, over 500 people in the group. I mean, there, there are a ton of people. Many of them are behavior analysts. Most of them are, or they have a connection to behavior analysis because I wanted to talk about what we know and how we can apply that to change any behavior. And so as far as like, what's the best kind of replacement straw? Like, I don't know that answer. I can survey some people. I can check and see what some engineers or scientists are doing. So I definitely need to collaborate with people I mean there's definitely times where you're working with different disciplines and I'll give I'll connect back to that when we talk about some of the legislation that was done here I mean even working with politicians and the mayor right you have to know they know things you don't know and vice versa and so it's great to be able to have the opportunity to be in, involved in those conversations think about things like um I put a sticker on the back of my phone that said no straw for me why because we always have our phones with us and then I would put it down and then I would see it when I would go to a restaurant and I would say, hey, no straw, please. And again, before they had really heard that a ton and they would like laugh about it or like relate with me or they'd be like, yeah, the turtles. I mean, here everyone sees a turtle. You could see one every day, I guess. So it's not like some imaginary creature somewhere else. It's here, you know, and then everyone saw, I'm sure, the video. But I wanted to focus on positive things, like scaring people into changing their behavior doesn't really work. Um, Skinner has a whole chapter on governing by fear and science and human behavior. We did things like try antecedent interventions. It didn't work or it didn't work good enough because I might tell that to the waiter, but the bartender made my drink. So then I started changing my behavior. I started ordering things that didn't require straws. Like if I was going to have an alcoholic beverage, I would get beer or I would get wine because you're not likely to put a straw in my beer or wine. And then you would have what I call sabotage. <laughs> so somebody like somebody else is putting that in there. Through the whole process though, I actually learned a lot about consulting with parents and teachers because what I realized was we're asking people to change behavior all the time and we're assuming it's easy and we're asking them why they're not following the behavior plan, at least sometimes, right? Like at some point that will be all of us or it has been. And I realized, well, you know, one parent in the household could have done whatever just fine and the other parent walks in and then gives them the strawberries they weren't supposed to have or whatever. And it's like, ah, oh, sabotage. 
So I started just really relating to that because it was so important to me when I would go out, I would actually stop going to certain restaurants or I would start going to certain restaurants more. And I live in a town of 4,000 people, so you notice when the locals stop coming to eat. <laughs> and I would leave reviews based off how sustainable their practices were. But I would also offer to um, help them or find a cheaper replacement. But really, so much of it became about awareness. And then for myself in the group, us being reinforced by people, we're sharing our ideas, we're trying new things, it doesn't work, well then you pivot. You know, as a behavior analyst, you need to you need to problem solve. And um, my life is just like a whole bunch of problems one after the other. I don't know about you sometimes. <laughs> and so my first thought was, because it was 2017, that every straw I got, I was going to use 17 times to make it like a overcorrection procedure. Well, also, we're supposed to start positive, even with ourselves, right? Reinforcement first. <laughs> and so I also realized like straws don't hold up that well, or it's gross. So I was like, that's not going to happen. So actually, I could go grab it and show you, but I have a jar of straws in my house. I've collected every straw that I've accumulated since January 1st of 2017. What do we know about permanent products, right? And then I originally had it in like the center of my kitchen. So I'd have to see it. And if it got full, that was aversive to me. And if it didn't get full, it was reinforcing to me. So at this point, I think since 2017, I've accumulated 44 straws. And I call them accidental straws. These are times I've forgotten to say it. Somebody else put it in there. Uh, I'm at the airport. And why are you going to put two straws you can't even suck through in my bourbon? Like, I don't know. I said bourbon. Neat. Not with two plastic straws. And then I started also with replacement behaviors. I started carrying around metal straws if I wanted them or bamboo straws or I have a whole utensil kit. And then that kind of just got really reinforced in where I live. Like it's a very food truck, hippie town and people want to care about the earth. So you have motivation. That's really cool. I, <laughs> I am impressed. When you started to say the word 44, I was hearing in my mind 400 something. So 44, it's so impressive. Um, <laughs> that's not a lot of sabotage. It really isn't. No, they say <laughs> the average person gets one and a half straws a day, but there's some like question on the validity of that measure. But let's just say it's one a day. Then, um, you know, for many of us, we're going to say that's not us. But if you go somewhere and they put water on the table before you sat down, there was a straw on your drink. So realize that my recollection of my own data was super inaccurate. Like I was like, oh, I don't get straws. This doesn't happen. And I started counting and I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. So yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Now everyone's going to be hyper aware of their straw <laughs> use. I betcha going forward. Um, that's great. Speaking of the legislation, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. I was gonna, I was gonna definitely come back to that. So, through my work with autism and uh, insurance and licensure uh, work, I have gained experience of how our legislative process works, which is really great for when you need to change other things too. So there were things, bills introduced by like organizations here, sustainable coastlines. Uh, Kakua Foundation, which is Jack Johnson. He's a musician, if you don't know, and he has a, a foundations. Um, there's a lot of like farm co-ops and stuff. So if you were to just Google sustainability in Hawaii, there's actually a climate change sustainability committee for the state of Hawaii as well. Like this is new. So this is great. Uh, Hawaii needing to be more self-sufficient. And now in, in light of COVID, that's just so much more clear with things like we're completely dependent on tourism and we normally have 
40,000 people a day and we have on average 100 people coming a day. And so something like 35% of Hawaii is now unemployed. It's going to be really hard for us to come back from this, but it's a great opportunity. And again, that's where I said problems, right? Problems are opportunities. So we have that initiative. So we try to pass legislation statewide and it, it's just a lot of resistance. There is a lot of politics involved. Restaurants will lobby heavily to not change things because it's going to cost them money or their consumers are going to walk away and they'll say all sorts of things like they did with autism insurance. They would say things like it's going to cost so much money and people are going to complain and you can't make them have ABA. And it's like, well, nobody said I had to make anybody anything. We just want to make it available, right? So you can incentivize restaurants. So I went and testified. I did not write the bill. I did not draft the bill, but I was very involved in testifying and meeting. I brought straws. I brought wristbands. I gave them the hashtag, no straw for me, like gave them the website. But mostly I told them the story of like picking up the straws. I told them the story of the local sandwich shop that if you brought your own container, you get a free cookie and the cookies are delicious. They're only a dollar. So look what it took to motivate me a dollar cookie. I mean, really, it's not an adult. It's, but I still, it's fine, right? So the point being, like, it's not that effortful. It can be done. There is replacement materials, replacement behaviors. You can incentivize. And so bringing that into the conversation. One of the people who joined the No Straw For Me group, his name is Dyson Chi, and he joined when he was 14. And his mom reached out to me, and she also joined the group. And they, he, he was being homeschooled at the time. And so she made him do, you know, like large projects. And one of them was like, how are you going to save the earth? And so he wanted to do a, a straw replacement campaign. And he like got funding. And so then he started this. It's not a nonprofit. It's a project called Project Ocean. He's listed as one of the 30 under 30. He's now 18, I think. But uh, <laughs> of like who's saving, saving us from ourselves kind of thing. And Dyson has been so involved in activating the youth of Hawaii, like going to schools and meeting with his friends and telling his friends' friends and his brother's friends, Micah and all of them. And so they had the largest impact. It was the story. It's always the story. It's never the facts. I mean, <laughs> sounds crazy, but I think it's true. Uh, quickly, Lori Odom, who is was the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for Autism Speaks and is now the CEO of the Council of Autism Service Providers, she says there's three Fs, which is favors, fishnets, and facts. One, you ask a legislator for a favor because 90% of bills die, but if they do you a favor and make a bill, then they usually get your vote. So you find someone who's a constituent in that individual's office. That's a general, loose description. Um, and then the next thing you do is you, you do something that's memorable. And she tells the story of one uh, mother who showed up wearing like a very professional outfit, but fishnets also. And the legislators didn't remember what her name was or what organization she was with. But they're like, you know, Susie over there with the fishnets. And then they like call you to talk to you. I've been called Ashley a thousand times by our legislators. I don't care. It's close. Hey, Amanda, Ashley, fine. As long as you're involving me. So, and then the last thing that you do is you give them all the facts. So facts are important. They're just not first. Okay. Um, and so anyhow, uh, it's the story. It's Dyson. So he did a great, he did so much of that movement and would email people and click here and, and link here and testify. He was sort of what the Hawaii Association for Behavior Analysis did for behavior analysts and all the other bills Dyson did for me and the youth. 
And so I did go to the uh, bill signing. What we did was we only achieved it on Oahu. So if you can't get the state to do it, maybe you can get your county to do it. Maybe you can get your district to do it. Maybe you can get your school to do it. Maybe you can get your work to do it. Maybe you can do something different. Like behavior change feels so overwhelming, right? Like for helping a family with a child with autism, like where do you start? When you're trying to save the world and it's already halfway in the, you know, in the, more maybe in the, in the can, like how do you do that? And it's just like start small you know, really. And so I went to the signing and Dyson was the first person to get a copy of the signed bill by the mayor. And like afterwards, I talked to him and his mom and I met some of his friends and he was like, okay guys, so the adults did this, but they also put in a delay. We're going to have to hold them accountable. We're going to have to make sure they're enforcing it. And he was like, it was like the Goonies. It was so cool. So if you don't know what the Goonies are, watch that too. And Dyson was on my podcast. So if you go to Spotify or iTunes or anywhere where you can find a podcast streaming, it's called Dyson Chi on sustainability. I love that. That's really, that's really cool. And that he's still involved. I mean, I could see a 14 year old kid involved because of the project or because it's interesting when he's 14, but then, you know, they, they get distracted. And so that's really, that's really impressive. Looking back, if you were to start again now, is there anything that you would do differently that you would change about how you got involved or the, the choices that you that you made? I mean, you've done such good work. I, maybe there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's always something to change. You know, there's always something to improve upon. I think that's another skill set that we as behavior analysts are trying to, to develop and constantly refine, right, is, is not just the problem solving, but like the pivoting and the refining, right, if you will. So what would I have done differently? I didn't pick a data collection system right up front. I didn't kind of plan it all out like I would have a formal behavior uh, intervention or, um, but I did start with assessment, right? Like how many straws am I kind of using? And okay, I got to remember to go positive first, but really it's just, you know, maybe write it down, maybe have written it up as I went along. I think documenting it would have been cool. It is documented in the No Straw For Me group. It's definitely something I could probably turn into a publication. But the thing that I would tell all of you is that it, it's like not about straws and it really never was. It was about finding an entrance point to uh, more behaviors that I want to change in my life. And it feels really overwhelming to, like, I don't have a compost bin, right? I'm not perfect, right? I tried dryer balls. I don't like them. The wool dryer balls, I don't like them. So I have dryer sheets. Sorry, there's plastic in them. But I also now don't use plastic bags. I have replacement stasher bags. I also don't have children, and I don't need to give them lots of snacks. So I get it. We have different environments, you know? My toothbrush, Andy Bondi and I, like, went on the hunt for the world's best, most sustainable toothbrush, uh, is one of the co-creators of the Picture Exchange Communication System, if you don't know Dr. Bondi. And I've talked to him about maybe coming up, let's find a plant-based way to seal in those pictures, right? They're all plastic laminated too. It's like, come on, we gotta do better with that, Andy. I think the great thing is, is that other people care too. And it was really interesting to get on a new passion project and to find what I could learn. What I also learned is everything is controversial somehow. Like I didn't think it was controversial to not use straws. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. 
um, but it is, and people with disabilities may need them. So that's definitely carved out in the Hawaii law. Like we, we looked at legislation and we looked at language in other states. I'm on the board of our Hawaii Disability Rights Center. I went to the attorney there. It was like, can you look at this language and tell me if anything, you know, flags it? Um, same thing with monk seals, though. You know, monk seals the, in Hawaii, they're, um, they're endangered, almost extinct. There's less than a thousand. They're native to Hawaii. They only live here. So it became kind of like the autism world where everything is dire and urgent. And I was like, why did I pick another thing that's overwhelming? Um, but it's our environment. And so I think, you know, what I tell people is just start small, start somewhere. Today's Monday. I'm doing, you know, Meatless Mondays. I don't know if anyone else is doing Meatless Mondays. It's a campaign if you don't want to be or haven't been or not care to be a vegetarian or a vegan. It's just picking one day a week. And so Monday is alliterations like Behavior Babe, Meatless Mondays. Do I eat meat? I do, but I mean, I can tell you the last time I had a steak and that was on the mainland last year. <laughs> and because I don't usually, it's just not so much available or it's just not, I like local food. And so I do eat a lot of fish and a lot of vegetables. I carpool when I can, I do the things I can, but I, it's stressful. It's stressful to do it all, right? And then sometimes I get resentful. Why am I the one who's carrying all my groceries in these usable bags? Why am I the one who's picking up all the trash and you're laying on the beach and just relaxing? And it's like, well, that's probably not going to continue my behavior. So I try to do what I can when I can to the best of my ability. I love that. <laughs> uh, Nicole asked if the straw campaign that you were talking about is the same one that changed the law in California. I think it's all part of the same kind of collective movement, but there were larger organizations like Blue Planet who were really involved and put a lot of money behind the campaigns. I, I did talk with them. I mean, really, I was just telling them what I was doing. I was using a hashtag and it was super cool that I came on their radar. So I think that it, it just picked up traction. I think for a lot of people, it was like, because who cares about a straw? That was the goal was, I think, to pick something kind of simple. You know, by making the group, what I wanted to do is I wanted behavior analysts to realize that they already had the skill sets to change and to create sustainable behavior change. And I started doing presentations where I talk in depth about sustainable behavior change, all the steps I did, all the, all the procedures, all the principles, where it worked, where it didn't, the data, the data collection. It was like dominoes, like one thing changed and then I just see the world completely differently. I also present, as I mentioned, on how I think it made me a better consultant. And so if you're not ready to change your behavior with regard to sustainability, I do recommend doing some personal behavior change program and writing it down and maybe even journaling about your experience because it will give you the ability to see and to think of other people's perspectives as you're developing your you know, skills as a consultant. And I had been in the field for 17 years at that point and still had a whole lot to learn. So that was humbling. And the one thing I'll say about anything, how do you get involved? You just show up. So show up to the beach, volunteer. I never told anyone I had a PhD in behavior analysis because they didn't ask me if I had a PhD in behavior analysis. And I told them later. And then they were like, what? You do all these trash pickups and you have a PhD? I'm like, well, we should all be picking up trash. If it's there, I see it. So I think volunteering is a great way and showing up is how you start. I love that. Did you have any part in the plastic bag ban in Hawaii? That's a question. No, I, I didn't directly. Hawaii was the first state 
to fully do that, Maui started first. So again, if you can't get it for your whole state, start with your county. And then once Maui County did it, it became easier to get the rest of the state on board. But it's interesting with the bag ban and, and reinforcement. So at first it was, you have to bring your own, if you bring your own bag, you get like five cents off, right? And then it was, okay, now if you have our bag, it's going to cost you five cents. And then it went up to 15 cents. And now everybody brings their own bags. So apparently 15 cents was the threshold and shows the importance of behavioral economics. I love behavioral economics. What have you done on a larger scale to try to modify the reinforcement of sustainable behavior in your community? So for example, do places that have reduced straw usage provide, are they providing feedback uh, like data, like over X amount of time they've reduced plastic to what extent, something like that? We have ocean-friendly restaurants, and so again, that's an initiative put on by some of the organizations that do this full-time, and so I love to support their efforts, and it's this is a side hobby, really, for me, <laughs> if you will, and it's nice to make it involved in part of my life, but it also is really nice to connect with your community, and I don't know where everybody lives or if that's possible for everybody, but that sense of community, when people start to care about each other, it does make behavior change easier. And Dr. Scott Geller, Scott Geller talks a lot about actively caring for people. And he says, if we cared more about each other, we would care more about the earth. And I don't disagree. I also think you can save the earth without caring about it because I can incentivize you <laughs> or I can have you compete with your electricity usage with your neighbors, or I can't, but maybe I can influence that with the electric department. And you know, it's, it's funny what motivates people. I also do have a sustainability page on behaviorbabe.com. It's been a little bit, so I might want to up, you know, update it or let me know if something is outdated. What tips or suggestions do you have? I know you've given a few um, already of things that you would recommend. If somebody were really interested in really getting into sustainability, what would you suggest about where to go and, and find more information? Um, you said volunteer. I love that. I volunteer. In fact, as soon as we get off here, I get to get back online and, and help the foster puppies find their forever homes. I'm excited. But what can someone do as a behavior analyst? I know that it's not popular anymore to be on Facebook, but for those of you who are, there is a page that I manage on Facebook called ABA and the Earth, and it's also listed on a sustainability fact sheet by the Behavior Analyst Certification Board, which I geeked out over that when Dr. Bill Hewitt emailed me and was like, Amanda, can we put up your Facebook page? I'm like, what? Because it's just a Facebook page, and there are organizations like the Behavior Analysis for Sustainable Societies or Behavior Behaviorists for Social Responsibility. These are special interest groups of the ABAI special interest. Really, I would say reach out and I will give you like five names. I would read anything you can find and put your hands on related to sustainability by Dr. Bill Heward and, and Dr. Paul Chance. They actually had a special issue in the behavior analyst in 2000, I think it was 2010 or 12, where they um, 
where they published all articles related to that. Dr. Julia Fiebig, who's in California. Chris Wilhite, who's at Fresno. She's also a great person to connect with. Some of these people are online. I can, you know, I'm sure they would love to connect with you. Molly Benson is a good friend of mine. She did, she's done a ton. Like, I honestly feel a little bit like an imposter when, you know, there's her out there. So what Molly has done is she... I mean, she tried to stop a development going up in a residential neighborhood to significantly change the character of the town in Beverly, Massachusetts, which is the town where Endicott College program is. And then she uh, won the Behavior Change for a Sustainable World grant um, or scholarship through Babbitt, which is the Berkshire Association for Behavior Analysis and Therapy. And she won that with Dr. Jonathan Kimball for the work they were doing at Beverly High School, getting all of the lunch food composted or packaged for like take-home dinners and other things like that. Of course, COVID disrupted that research project and the school year has ended, but I still think they're going to be able, um, they're producing uh, information and they're going to, I think, continue with projects like that in the future. Gosh, email me if you want. You know, I can definitely uh, answer questions or, or get you interested. You're not going to find a ton of reading on this by behavior analysts, but there are a growing number of behavior analysts who are interested and who are able to do things like we all need to get paid, right? And so there's a lot of funding in the area of autism or intellectual or developmental disability. So that's fine um, if that's our day jobs. But what are we doing in the meantime? And what Molly had done at some point when she was uh, able to, she took an internship at an electric sustainable energy company where she was living and just asked if she could help out and volunteer and be the intern and they didn't know she had you know her board certification as a behavior analyst and winning grants so I think it's it's about if you see something you want to change or you feel like there's something you can do and it's already somehow in your environment or you're going to be able to access it then you can change it you can be involved and people like Dr. Fiebig, Julia, uh, myself, Molly, Dr. Kimball, you know, maybe less available as Dr. Heward, but in general, we would be happy to to support people in projects like that because it's also our our opportunity to geek out and to to feel like we're doing something you know meaningful. Um, so if we can help you do something meaningful, like by all means, behaviorbabyyahoo.com. <laughs> well, this was awesome, and I will leave it with just one. Last words of advice, last bits of wisdom, Dr. Kelly, and then we'll we'll scoot out. You know, something I wanted to say is I just want to reemphasize, I think, the importance of Dr. Bill Hewer to the sustainability movement, if you will. It wasn't just that conference that he started. He also, when he goes, and you may not know this, so I'm happy to, to brag on him a little. He takes his speaker's fee and donates it back to the organization often. And he's done that at many organizations. I know because he did that for us here in Hawaii. And we've talked about other places as well. And what he asked them to do is he asked the organization, so maybe the Arizona you know, State ABA chapter or the State ABA chapter where you live, and say create a sustainability grant, create a sustainability project, and have people submit to what they're going to do to change or help locally in that state using behavior analysis. And so the first year we had a, a mom of two boys with autism. She has three boys, two with autism. I was an RBT at the time going through grad school, currently obtaining her hours. 
Uh, she made a replacement sunscreen and figure out how to do it and then did these sunscreen swaps and she was our first winner that year and then another year we've had people who actively worked to get polyurethane like um, styrofoam uh, not just you know either banned or restricted and talked about their replacement this year the people who won for our state are uh, having people put out little bee plant gardens and it's called a bees a which is kind of cute and that's just in Hawaii. And I know probably at least 10 or 15 other states that he's done that with. And so start looking for those and maybe your state has one. And you don't have to have the most brilliant idea. Like we don't know how brilliant our ideas are at the time, the best ones, right? Like, <laughs> like oh, behavior babe, that turned out to be pretty cool, right? Like, oh, I don't use straws, that's cool. What do I wanna do next? Like, I think I'm gonna probably focus on some fitness because I've got the time, I've got the need in my life. And so why not? And so almost everything that happens to you in your life is subject matter for behavior analysis. And it's up to you if you want to view it that way. But once you do, you realize you kind of have all the, not all the answers to the world, but you have all the tools to how to approach pretty much our own problems. And so I once had a professor say to me, what good is it if you can save everybody else and you can't save yourself? So I do think it's important to take care of yourself, to think about how you can use behavior analysis and what you're doing every day, and to see if you can create that sense of community and caring with the people around you who then want to get on board that sustainability train. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. I love that. I think that this whole thing is so em empowering. But my, my very favorite thing of all the things you've said, I've got a few things that I really like, but that you just said it, you don't have to have the best idea, right? The greatest idea, the save the world idea. I think that that's what hangs people up is thinking that I can't get started until it's going to be awesome. And if it's not awesome, then I'm never going to get started. Well, you know, how many things really are awesome? I mean, Amanda Kelly is awesome. I am I am an Amanda. I am not Amanda Kelly. I'm never going to have that level of awesome. And I'm okay with that. I'm doing what I do over here in my part of the world. And then you should do that too. That's what I heard. That's what I got from what you just said is do what you can do. And maybe it'll end up being awesome. But even if it isn't, as long as you're doing something, that's the most important Thing, I think so that was really that was really lovely to hear thank you thank you Dr. Kelly behavior babe for taking the time to join us thanks so much 